Hello and welcome to another fine mez. I'm Tom Lemon and I've finally stopped playing golf to host for you this week. I'm joined by Victoria Teela, our European CLO reporter, and George Smith, our ABS reporter, whose partner is keeping a baby in the oven just for you, our listeners. So welcome to you both. Welcome back, Tom. Yeah, no sign of securitization Shauna yet. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, I'm disappointed that you're back. I thought you'd be professional by now. Yeah. Uh, I just want to cry when I think about golf. <laughs> I'm I'm going to play this weekend and it's just... I've, I've been a seven handicapper for about two years and I'm just playing like a 20 handicapper, which is bad, by the way. The higher the handicap, the worse you are. <laughs> um, and I want to cry and I want to give up and I don't want to talk about it anymore. So let's just talk about securitization. We're in the depths of August, which is for most capital markets journalists, it's probably be one of the nine circles of hell. Everyone's on holiday or perhaps pretending to be, which is why I'm pleasantly surprised to say that we've got quite a bit to discuss, if not a hat full of deals. Uh, however, there, there was one European CLO deal this week, thanks to Bridgepoint. While arbitrage equations appear to be making them somewhat easier to get over the line, certainly in the US, which could be a sign of things to come in Europe. But Victoria, you have a story that everyone who's not impacted loves. Lots of debt and lots of scandal. So explain, what's happened with Altice and why is it relevant to CLOs? I will very happily do that. Um, I'll try to keep this very short because it's really complex and you should just go and read my story for some more detail. But Basically, um, Altice is this telecoms company. It has three parts. There's the French part, Altice France, Altice US, and Altice International, which is sort of Portugal-Israel business. It was founded by this French billionaire, Patrick, da Patrick Drahi, um, and he built it up with a lot of debt. So the whole company has like $60 billion of debt in total. Um, and now interest rates are rising, so they're in a bit of trouble. And that was sort of the situation until about a month ago. But then we had an extra double whammy of more problems, and that's where the scandal comes in, um, because the co-founder of the company, Armando Pereira, he was arrested in Portugal as part of a corruption investigation, um, and he was involved in the company in different ways over the years. But yeah, so because this happened in Lisbon, um, this mostly affects Altice International, um, but that made really big news over the past few weeks. and then sort of separately to that there is Altice France and they reported pretty poor results they are super highly levered their debt is, um, debt EBITDA ratio is like six times um, and they're they're not making enough money basically to pay it all back um, or there are some concerns about that so why is that relevant to CLOs well that is because Altice is the company that European CLOs have the single biggest exposure to um, there's around, yeah, I know, there's around 4 billion um, euros in European CLO portfolios of Altice debt. Um, and I think the latest number I saw was that 95 CLO managers own it in some way, shape or form, which is basically almost all of them. Um, and yeah, so if that goes south in a serious way, that could be pretty bad. So what is, is, is everyone already sort of dumping the debt and running for the hills? Um, no, not quite. So everybody is watching it. Whenever I, I ask people about it, they're like, yeah, well, we're keeping an eye on it. Um, there were two investor calls this week that everybody was anticipating. So they had the earnings presentation and then one call for Altice International. 
and L1 for LT's France and Drahi um, in a very unusual way for him. I think it's the first time since 2017 that he went on there personally and addressed investors. And he kind of said all of the right things that you kind of have to say. So on the LT's international one, he made sure to say that he feels personally very betrayed by a very small group of people doing wrong and that Altiz is the victim of the alleged fraud and did nothing wrong itself um, and that this won't impact its ability to pay off debt. Um, but to CLO investors in Europe, who, uh, CLO managers who tend to own more of the Altiz France debt than the international one, um, so that's more important to them. On that one, um, he promised to sell assets to pay off debt. And he was like, everything will be fine. And I would just love to point out my favorite detail of this whole story um, that didn't make it into the article because it's not the thing you put into an article. But he just, <laughs> this man has impeccable sense of dramaturgy because, you know, <laughs> this is a guy called Drahi. And he said that he will do whatever it takes to solve this debt crisis. And I, I try to I try to point that out to a couple of people I spoke to this week, but nobody thought it was as amazing and hilarious as I did. Um, but I hope I hope to find Do one of want, our podcasts. Would you like to explain the joke to <laughs> to the uninitiated? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so whatever it takes was the famous speech that um, Mario Draghi made in um, during the financial crisis when it was about solving the. ECB sovereign debt crisis. I appreciate it's a bit of a niche joke, but I feel like if anybody else is so you... to appreciate it, it's the listeners of this podcast. <laughs> so it's yeah, that's probably true. So you're saying it's the it's the the Drahi Draghi play on words. Exactly, right. exactly. Okay. That's that's. And people say we don't have fun. It's a blast. It's a blast. Wait until I tell all my friends about this this weekend. They'll be mm. they'll be converted. We're gonna have so many applications. Um, <laughs> But anyway, um, that aside, um, the CLO managers that I spoke to right now, they don't seem super worried because sort of after he said, we're going to sell some assets, um, we're going to make sure that we are sort of going to come out of this. He has some options. Um, his uh, Some of the unsecured bonds of royalties are trading really poorly, but they're not owned that much by CLOs and the senior secured term loans they're quite stable and they actually traded up a little bit after these calls um so for now it's sort of cautious watching but not all out panic but does this fit into a wider kind of narrative victoria about concern in european leverage loans i mean i've been reading some of your stories recently and they do seem to be quite often about kind of collateral performance yeah, yeah, I did write quite a bit about that um, last week. And I do think that it does fit in there because some of Altiz's problems are a direct result of rising interest rates. Um, and I've been talking to to people about defaults. So here's some exclusive stuff that's not in my articles. Um, so well done for listening up until this point of the podcast. So last week, Fitch, um, the ratings agency, said they expect around 4.5% of defaults for European leverage loans. And I've been asking people if they think that's realistic. And sort of CLO managers generally said they thought it's a bit high. One said, um, one said that their official CLO manager line is 3%, but he wouldn't yell at you if you said 4%. Another one said market consensus is more like 2 to 3%. Um, third one said that 
CLOs will probably usually outperform the rest of the market because they're actively managed. So they're not as worried, but of course there's also a certain motivation to tell journalists that there won't be many defaults if you're a CLO manager. Um, I did speak to an investor who said that it doesn't really take many names like Altice or Casino, that was the French um, struggling supermarket that, that was in the news recently. And that investor thought that managers should address that more. So I think it does fit into into that that theme that we're observing. Wonderful. Thanks for that, Victoria. Uh, that story can be found on the website. It's called Altice Founder Soothed CLO Manager Concerns, But Problems Remain. And it's by Victoria, as we said earlier. Um, George, there's been a bit of an absence of deals for you. So this week you've, you've gone a bit meta on us, haven't you? Um, you? And you spoke to some, shall we call them veterans of securitization, although I worry that they might not thank me for calling them that. Um, I've, I've never hoped that someone's not a listener of another fine <laughs> mess, but perhaps maybe right now I hope the, uh, these two are. Um, so, so how did this idea come about? Yeah, so this kind of just came out of conversations I was having with people about what they were worried about. And one of the things is kind of how risk is perceived, um, which is they were saying you need first-hand experience to really internalize something. And then also kind of compounded by uh, a certain sort of like level of uh, loss of of the ability to pass information on during COVID and how kind of knowledge makes its way from one generation of the market down to the next. Is that a securitization specific thing though? Because as our avid listeners might remember, I covered equities for the past two years and I feel like people could have said that there as well. Yeah, I mean, certainly, it's not entirely securitization. We, I heard that, you know, one of the best examples of this was Silicon Valley Bank, which collapsed because it didn't hedge its interest rate risk. Um, and that was something people kept coming back to, rising rates um, and the kind of new challenges they present, which haven't been faced for quite a long time and by quite a lot of people in the market. But it does have a kind of securitization aspect to it, which is that, the market hasn't grown. In fact, it's shrunk since uh, 2008. And the people who left would have taken some knowledge with them. And then that, or there's also a smaller new generation. So they, they just have to learn more and more quickly. Um, and so you've got kind of people who've been in their jobs for a very long time now. And they're, under them, they have maybe smaller teams than they would have expected to have when they started their career. So I was just trying to look at kind of what the consequences of that might be. So what are you or are these people worried about specifically how this drain might manifest? Yeah, so I think this is kind of looking at the consequences of where rising rates will tell. And obviously you can't really know something that is by definition unknown. We're talking about kind of a loss of knowledge. And if we knew where it was, then it wouldn't be lost. But I think there's maybe a couple of signs of where it may be telling. And I mean, one one example, which was a, we heard a lot about at Global ABS, was kind of UK non-prime, non-bank lenders, mortgage lenders, and how they've been struggling a bit with their originations and their funding level 
um, just simply because rates are going up. So they're originating something. And then by the time they come to fund that origination in the securitization market, the rate they have to pay has gone up so much. Um, and I did ask kind of somebody what they could actually have done about that. And they said, I don't know, not very much, maybe. But other people have talked about kind of off-market swaps and all kinds of uh, different manoeuvres. So perhaps it's a case of this lack of experience manifesting there. I mean, because obviously, I, I think you write in your article that the only way you can learn is by going through it, right? But, but um, more financial crisis. Yeah, and <laughs> and that's but that's my point, right? Or that's the problem. Um, you can't really go. Oh well, yeah, we're gonna fashion a we're gonna fashion a sort of <laughs> global financial crisis just just to make sure uh, the youngsters have got got a bit of experience of of the net when the real one comes. Um, but you know, maybe what what can they do, or, or what what needs to be done? Um, in I, I suppose. In, in absence of having those options. Yeah, I mean, clearly nobody nobody wants a crisis. But I mean, the first thing to say is, you know, there's always learning opportunities for everyone in the market. But I mean, I think it's particularly true in securitization that people are just very willing to kind of share their experience to talk about what it was like for them. I mean, in the article as well, there's some there's anecdotes um, of that. And then, I mean, you know, there's people who are, coming up to retiring now who have always been very kind of willing to teach and and to learn so i think you know it's as best you can you can study the history of the market try to understand it but i mean as it says in the article like you can only draw so much on your theoretical knowledge when it comes to the time when you're challenged for it yeah i mean uh you know rob ford who who's pretty much retired or retiring semi-retiring shall we say um i think when i when i interviewed him at uh global abs when he announced his his retirement or semi-retirement um he he said that the the value he had of having mentors particularly in a market where um it was at that time so fresh and he didn't have any mentors you know it's hard to f have mentors he said that was so important for his success as a, as a market participant or trader and and then later an investor but yeah thanks george and if any of our listeners is really keen to read more about this issue and maybe some of the anecdotes that george hinted at they can head over to the global capital website and read george's piece which is called ABS brain drain risks breeding complacency, which is a very nice juicy headline, I think. Um, but before we sort of come to the end, um, Tom, I have a question to you from sort of the European CLO reporter to the US one. Um, you wrote in Opinion Piece, our, our leader for a weekly edition about sort of private credit and middle market CLOs. and as somebody who can from Europe only jealously gaze over as all the activity you have in that space. Um, so what's your problem? What are you complaining about in that piece? Um, right, what am I complaining about? So you've got normal, you know, you've got a, a normal broadly syndicated CLO, which is in the US makes up the like it does in Europe, the vast majority of the market. But then recent, well, this year in particular, as, as sort of new issuance has suffered in the broadly syndicated market the middle market has 
more middle market CLO has gained traction and has become a bigger, uh, sort of taken a bigger market share. Um, so, but 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 part of it is is that these guys who would have traditionally done a middle market CLO, they would be would have been known as sort of they they would be giving loans out to 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 small small American companies, sort of EBITDA of less than a hundred million dollars, um, and those lenders would have been private and they would have been called direct lenders in the old fashioned sense. But in recent years, they've grown and grown massively, and we now know them as private credit, of course. Um, and it seems like someone's had a fantastic idea that instead of calling it a middle market CLO, we should call it a private credit CLO, because who doesn't want to get a slice of the private credit action? Um, now, that's all well and good, but um, it doesn't really mean anything, and it's confusing, and it's confusing market participants as well. So you've got some people at the moment who use it interchangeably. So middle market, private credit, CLO doesn't really mean anything different. It's the exact same thing. But then other people say, well, a private credit CLO could be of companies that are, made, well, could have collateral within it of companies that are much, much larger than 100 million uh, EBITDA. So, uh, so it's 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 very confusing, and then and I I suppose you inevitably right you get to that question of um, you know if it's not the same then does it need to be treated differently, and if it is the same is it then just a bit of a gimmick, um, and um, I did have one one banker you know I think the the bankers are the ones who've sort of been a bit uh, sh shall we say uneasy about it in general. Um, because private credit, you know, in a way has been stealing a bit of their lunch on the le on the Levin side of things. Um, but they said it's been a bit of a challenge to get the sort of traditional CLO investor involved. And then and then one guy in particular said, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny, he he essentially s revealed that he he understood the uh, the whole f turn of phrase private credit CLO to have come from a rather large bank who had up until now had absolutely nothing to do with mid the middle market um and and it was almost like he was like a kid in the school playground being like scrape out this is ours <laughs> right you've got your big stuff this is our little stuff and just because it's getting bigger leave it alone it's ours um and yeah there's a bit of it's just all a bit messy and i think for the for the sake of everyone for the, in the market for the sake of the investors the rating agencies and the poor journalists like me let's stick to a name tell me what the difference is if there's a difference and let's go um yeah that it feels like this is an episode of what grinds my gears <laughs> <laughs> ambiguous terminology though is not unprecedented in securitization i mean the number of different oh, terms yeah. I've heard for SRT and then uh, you know that's it before we even come on to the sort of categorization of collateral it's, uh... I, I love that we just did like this collective sigh of exasperation <laughs> 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 so like guys can you just like can you send up a glossary and <laughs> uh, it must be hard can you imagine being like first you know relatively new in in your 
you know, trading desk or banking syndicate desk, and someone's just shouting BTL, RMBS, CLO, <laughs> ABS, CMBS at you, and you're like, uh, <laughs> that that could be quite a challenge, but yes. So need some mentors you know, bef- to pass that knowledge on. Yeah, exactly. You need mentors, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, right. Before we go, then, uh, what are our plans for next week, George? What What are you up to? Yeah, I've got a, a few things planned. Maybe I'll I'll tell you about one story, which is I'm returning to a story I wrote in my very first uh, week at Global Capital about NPL securitizations. Um, I'm looking at the HAPS and GAC schemes in Greece and Italy, which are the kind of government NPL securitization buying schemes um, and why they haven't been renewed. But it's very possible, Tom, I'll be leaving that to you to uh, finish the work off there if a baby arrives. <laughs> Is, uh, do you reckon, can you feel it? Do, do you sort of like rub the belly in like a crystal ball? Or is it a bit like the eight ball, the magic eight ball, like you <laughs> shake it and it's like this week? Uh, uh, <laughs> weather all, set fair. Or something. Of home <laughs> Do you know some really good anatomy podcasts that uh, somebody could recommend to Tom there? <laughs> well, we wish you all the best uh, if it does come to that this uh, this week. Um, Victoria, what about you? You got you got plans? Um, I do. We we miraculously still have a CLO in the market. <laughs> in sort of mid August, we're still waiting for Onyx to be priced, um, unless it does right now as we speak or so. Um, so I expect to be writing about that at some point. And then, as we mentioned at the beginning, the Bridgepoint CLO has priced this week, and we did cover it obviously. But I also interviewed um, Bridgepoint so that interview should be coming out um, very soon and I think it was a really interesting one so everybody should keep their eyes open for that Great and hopefully I mean my life is just doing reporting on the, the American market is, is obviously fun because stuff's going on the slight problem is that it's all just on teams which I hate um, but hopefully we will be going uh going for coffee with someone this week as well so that'll be nice um but i guess that's all we've got time for this week uh thanks for listening and as ever get in touch at tom.lemon at globalcapital.com see you next week where we may even have our first lifelong another fine mez fan 